32 teams, seven rounds, 224 young men who today are about to become players in the National Hockey League. A day where lives are changed, fates are decided, dynasties are born, and the clock is always ticking. Of course, I'm talking about draft day. Oh yeah, one of the best days of the year. It's draft day. I might even say the best day of the year. Above trade deadline day? It's definitely better than free agency now. It's the NHL draft. We get going today. It gets real. Canucks going to be making a pick, we think, at 11. Could be at a different number. Might not be making it at all, but we think they'll make a pick. Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotic provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. If you want to be a part of the show, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Dom, Ben behind the glass. We'll talk to Chris Peters in just a moment, who will join us as we set up the final discussion about who's going to be around at 11, what could the Canucks be thinking. Uh, We'll get into it with uh, prospect analyst from Flow Hockey, Chris Peters, at Chris M. Peters on Twitter. (laughs) Just laughing from a tweet from uh, Kurt from Ladner. Singer, winger, dinger, finger. <laughs> we'll read the text there. Uh, Kurt from Ladner, 650-650. We say, if you want to be part of the show, text in uh, into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. So here's what we're going to do later today. And it ties in well with uh, Dom's produce intro there from the movie Draft Day. Famous scene, Kevin Costner writing down on the post-it note, slipping in the pocket, Vontae Mack no matter what, Have a draft philosophy, go into it with a plan, attack the draft. Who is your Vontae Mack? We joked the other day, like, there's a bunch of players I really like. But who's the one that you're actually going to be upset about if the Canucks pass at 11 when their pick comes up? Send it in, 650-650. We'll get into it later. Uh, But let's talk to uh, Chris Peters, who joins us now. At Chris M. Peters, if you're not following on Twitter already, from Full Hockey and NHL Prospect Analyst. Uh, Chris, thanks a lot. How are you? Uh, Bick, I'm doing great. At the draft, can't complain. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Oh, we can just hear the draft in the background. That sounds great. Just just the natural buzz. (laughs) Yep, there's. Yeah, yep. Is there's definitely an energy going here. It's it's been it's been cool to be uh be around it. And yeah, I'm 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 in the in the media room at the moment. Uh, but yeah, it's even louder on the draft floor. So <laughs> I tried to find the the best place I could for you today. All right, well, let's go through this. Uh, I, I do want to build towards eleven for the Vancouver Canucks, but let's start in the, like the first five six. Where to you as it stands is is this going to swing tonight? You know, it's really interesting. You you start. When you get to the draft floor, that's when you start hearing some of the more 
you know, less smoke, more legitimate buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, the, the buzz continues to grow that, that it could very well be Leo Carlson at the number two pick for the Anaheim Ducks as opposed to Adam Fantilli, um, which, you know, I think would be a surprise to most people. Um, you know, I think Fantilli's been kind of the consensus number two guy for a long time. So that is, uh, that's, you know, it, it creates a challenging situation for, you know, for whoever else was, uh, what they were planning to do, it kind of creates a domino effect. Now, will it happen? Still, we don't have you know confirmation. There's no, but that just seems to be the buzz is that there's a there's a very good possibility that that's what happens. And I think that that really creates an interesting domino effect the rest of the way. And you have to wonder what happens with Mitchkov. Where does he end up going? Where you know what at what point does uh, you know? I think Columbus has an easy decision in that in that case if if uh, Adam Fantilli is there. So you know it's going to be a really fascinating couple of uh, first picks and and really. You know, we've been talking a lot about how the draft kind of starts at five, but I think that really it, it is going to start at two, uh, and it'll be interesting to see where everything goes from there. Yeah, those are the interesting debates, I think, because because Anaheim's get the, the decision between Carlton and Fantilli. Decision gets made for Columbus. And then the next two, you kind of hinted at Mitchkov, and Will Smith is in the next one, too. I, I feel like yep. those are the guys that are kind of defining what this draft is. What's Will Smith's draft ceiling? Yeah, you know, I think I think his ceiling is three. You know, I think that he's gonna he has a he has the potential, you know, to be, um, you know, the number three pick. I think that there's a lot of talk that, that Columbus does like him quite a bit. I think if it came down to Leo Carlson and Will Smith, I'd be a little surprised if it wasn't Will Smith, just a little, because Jarmo Kekalainen, you never really mm-hmm. know. Um, but uh, you know, you start you start hearing things, and and certainly I think Will Smith has that potential to go third. Um, if, if Fantilli is there, I have a hard time seeing the, the Blue Jackets passing on him, but I do think that there's going to be, uh, uh, some, some great debate, uh, on, on what to do, uh, you know, just based on, you know, maybe they weren't anticipating Fantilli being there. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's, it, it's really interesting. And I think the Sharks remain an option for, for either, you know, whoever's left of the centers, um, you know, they're, they are also among the teams that very well could surprise us and take Matt Mitchkov at that point. Um, it's just, they were, they've been very coy about Mitchkov, uh, not even really wanting to say that they met with him, um, which they did. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of been interesting, but I, I think that that's, uh, we, we've heard that a lot and, and, you know, to, to all the other buzz that's happening. I mean, Mitchkov really, after those four guys that we've just talked about with, with Smith and Fantilli, Bedard and, and, and certainly Carlson, you know, I think that all of a sudden we're going to start seeing teams maybe jockeying for position to potentially trade up even because I think that things things are kind of the moving in that direction where there are some teams that absolutely want to want a shot at Matt Bay Mitchkov and they know if they if they wait too long they might not be able to do it I think back to the 2021 draft often and uh you know Owen Power goes first Beniers McTavish Luke Hughes and the Canucks were picking ninth that year and it was always this thing it's like hey can one guy sneak above and push the, the, the consensus eight down. It just felt like those eight guys had the traits that it, it, we looked back and said, hey, it, it made sense that those guys went in whatever order, but those eight kind of went. When I look at this class, mm-hmm. I was just saying before we went on that like there's legitimately like 17 guys I like that if the Canucks picked, that's fantastic. I'm not going to complain about it. I have my preferences. But when you're trying to like separate traits in that middle group, that's that Will Smith, Mitchkov group. It feels like it, it's tough to discern. Is it is because it of traits? Is it because of overall play? Like, what is it about that next tier of players of, of how it shakes out and why there's so much variety of opinion on it? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I think I think really it's it, it's all predicated on Mitchkov. Like, it's it, people know that he's the number you know 
know these no worse than number three prospect you know like in terms of ability and and, and some people would maybe say even two and I, I think you'd even find people that would say that you know there's 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 some similarities to Bedard in terms of the overall hockey sense and scoring ability that he possesses and, and what would he have looked like if he was in the CHL at this age so you know I, I think that that's that's part of it you know and I, I think that now you're just kind of trying to figure out you know what do we what do we like if what are we willing to look at to pass on that um, and that that potential even though there's so much risk there and so you start getting down to like I think really there's there's a wide variety of players in terms of hockey sense um, in terms of puck skills in terms of size I think that the, the really interesting thing about this class is how many of the top guys throughout the season have been sub six foot and you know and some of them sub five ten you know so we're you know, we're, and it starts with Bedard, and you got Mitchkov, you got Zach Benson, you got guys like that. So teams are trying to decide, you know, how much, how much skill are we willing to leave on the table in order to go for a bigger player? Um, I think those are the conversations that continue to be had. And then certainly, I think the league is often, you know, a copycat league, and they look at trends and they say, you know, this this player is super big, and you know, the Vegas had a really big team, you know, maybe we want to go that direction. So all of those things factor in. It's a very fascinating year just because of the wide variety of players and, and guys that are, are really good hockey players. And, and the reason I asked about like the specific traits, and I'm glad you mentioned the size, because one player, he's he's one of my favorite watches, is Oliver Moore. There's just an easy trait, mm-hmm. and it's not just senseless speed. It's a smart player through the middle of the ice and just explosive, explosive pace on the ice. And I look at this, and I'm like, I'm a bit confused why he's not consensus hey six seven in that range and i'm curious like why we might see him go down to 10 or even to 11 to the vancouver canucks yeah you know i i think i think there's there's a lot of different things i mean it, you know i think it comes down to team preference too you know he's also sub six foot mm-hmm. um you know he's, he's close enough but you know he's, he's got the elite speed he, you know i think there's also some concern that you know he plays the game so fast has his has his hockey sense caught up to his feet yet um, and then you, you know, you wonder, will it at that point, you know, I think that's the other thing that when you're trying to project these guys out, that's a conversation you have is what, you know, what exactly are we going to get out of him? But I, you know, I think what I've heard is that, you know, the buzz is continuing to grow around him, that he's going to go, you know, probably in that 10 to 15 range. And if he does, you know, I think that that's a, that's a quality pick in that range because you got an elite, a player that has elite speed, a guy who, who plays off the puck extremely well. He's a transitional weapon. And even though his hockey sense might not have caught up to his feet yet, he's still very skilled. He scores mm-hmm. a lot of goals. And, and he was playing behind a line last year and playing on the second power play for USA because you had Ryan Leonard, Will Smith, and Gabe Perot all together, and that wasn't yet broken up. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see where, where Oliver Moore goes, and there's a very good chance you know, that, that as his career progresses that he'll be among the best and could, you know, could even potentially be the best because he does have that, that one trait above those other, other teammates the skating ability is one of the best traits in the draft. I mean, like, you know, in, ter- in terms of skill, you know, we thought, talk about Mitchkov's hockey sense and we talk about uh, Bedard's shot. And I think we also have to talk about Oliver Moore because that's how good of a skater he is. Talking to Chris Peters, uh, head of the draft uh, from Nashville, uh, just outside the draft floor, but uh, we'll be there shortly. Uh, so when you um, are, are looking at this, um, what player are you kind of looking at that maybe kind of lives in the 10 to 20 range that might sneak up higher than we've been discussing in the past? You know, I, I think I think another real wild card in this draft is going to be Dmitry Simashev, uh, the Russian defenseman who has tremendous size. He's a left shot, 6'4", you know, great mobility, strong defender. 
you know, up, offensive upside is in question. I think that he has good enough hands. He can make plays. He moves pucks well. But he's not necessarily going to wow you with his skill. Um, but, you know, I think that's a guy that teams are, are thinking about just looking at him. He screams NHL top four all day. Um, you know, I have had him lower on my board mainly because I have you, you, you attach the Russian risk with also the, the risk of potential limited offensive upside. And that's, you know, I, I think if you have limited off, offensive upside, you're not going to be a top pairing defenseman in the league. But I think if you're slotting him anywhere in the in that 10 to 15 to 20 range, that's a player that, you, you know, you get and you are ecstatic about because that that could be. And I, I just think the Russian factor is, you know, limited his draft stock this season. But he's a really special player, and I think the teams teams definitely like him um, and like the, the the athletic toolkit. But we'll we'll just have to see how big of a factor the Russian factor plays in with him. I'm going to put you in a bit of a bind here uh, because we've been talking about all these traits, and Simashev's got all these things. And there's two players that it feels like you know smarts are all there, but teams are worried about the traits. Who goes higher, Danielson or Benson today? Oh, well, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, you know, I think if, on my personal board, it's, it's Benson. But on my, uh, on my NHL, if I'm, if I'm getting in the mind of an NHL general manager, it's Danielson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that he has the, the size advantage. He's a center. He has two-way capabilities. I think that, you know, he played in a situation where he didn't necessarily have the numbers of a Benson. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily the best team. And, I think, you know, you look at what he did throughout the season and, and, you know, he's, he's not, he's not the kind of player that you get excited about in the way that Zach Benson just has that motor going. He's an incredible passer. He's great vision, great hockey sense, does everything well, but he's five, nine. And, and that, and that is going to be the, that's going to be the debate. He's also not a, a tremendous skater, which is going to be another issue for him to kind of overcome. But that's why I think, you know, it's more likely that Danielson does go higher. Now, now there is a possibility, like, let's say, you know, the Detroit Red Wings, we never really know what they're going to do either. And, you know, that's a guy, maybe maybe Benson's their guy at nine. If, if Steve Eisman feels like there is any truth to the Braden Point comparisons, maybe he makes that pick at nine. But they also have the pick at 17, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's like, let's gamble and see if he's still there at 17. And and it, would, it wouldn't shock me if he was, even though I think he's an exceptional talent. Uh, okay, last one for you, and then we'll let you go because I want to – no, you're busy. Uh, Axel Sandin Palika. Uh, again, we're talking about traits, but how much of the defensive side of the game has to catch up to where he is offensively? Because I feel like if you ask him to play on the power play tomorrow, he could probably do it, uh, and he can be a huge factor offensively for your team tomorrow. But like, h- how much development is needed on the defensive side of the game? You know, you know, I think he's I think he's a little underrated defensively. I think that his 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 compete and his will to battle um, on the defensive side of the puck is there. He doesn't have the physical strength yet. I think, and that's that's the thing that gives me a little bit more reason to believe that he's going to be able to have handle himself on the defensive side of the puck. He's incredibly intelligent. He he he's a puck possession defenseman. He's gonna he's gonna got, be a guy that's gonna move pucks. He's gonna make plays. He's very decisive. So I think that he's a guy that your your team is gonna have the puck an awful lot if he's on your team. Um, and so that that I think helps defensively as well. But but I think more than anything, it's just gonna have to be for him. Physical strength, physical development, growth, you know, we'll see exactly where he tops out in all, in all categories. But that's a guy to me that, you know, I, I still think he's very much one of the top defensemen in this group. I think he has top four potential. You know, I think if you're a team that's already has some undersized defensemen, you're probably passing on him uh, because I don't think you're going to have too many of those guys. But he is a guy that's going to help you keep the puck a lot and move pucks up ice. And I think, you know, his ability to escape the zone is, is probably one of his best defensive qualities. And that's something that he does with the puck on his stick.
Chris, uh, we know it's a busy day. Really appreciate it. At Chris M. Peters on Twitter, if you're not following, for Flow Hockey. Uh, great prospect analyst. Uh, Chris, uh, enjoy the day. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Chris Peters. Always love chatting to Chris. Uh, one of the best in the business as we are 40 minutes away. It's going to be fun. I believe uh, the, the the clock will be on Chicago uh, shortly after 410. Uh, and then uh, things get real. Gary Bettman will get booed at about like 4.03, 4.04. I, I think Chicago will do They're it. in Nashville. Sorry. I, I think Nashville will do yeah. it. Because they've been around a long, long enough. You'd hope. Plus, it's, it's also not the euphoria of like, we just won a championship. Yeah. So I, I think around, you know, less than an hour away, Gary Bettman will be getting booed on the stage. Who's the um? Oh, who's the Bo Callahan of, of this draft? Yeah, um, Alistair and Victoria, uh, texting in six fifty six fifty. My Bo Callahan is uh, Gabe Perot. Which I, is he going to go high enough? Because Bo Callahan went seventh overall. Yeah. For for those that will famously remember from draft day, uh, but honestly, it might be like Ryan Bacher. Well, how far does the fall have to be? Seven, if, seven spots. I'm just saying, if Fantilli goes three, yeah. this has been like, Bedard, Fantilli, Bedard, Fantilli, Bedard, Fantilli. That's all we've heard for so long. If he slides one spot. That's not big enough. I'm just saying, if you even just slide a little bit, does it become like, oh, that, that's the Bo Callahan. Does, uh, Could it be Mitchkov? Just because of all the hype surrounding him? And like, who's going to take the chance? Yeah, knowing that he signed until twenty twenty six. I have, I have, good word that his teammates did go to his birthday party. <laughs> by the way, Adam Fantilli. So, I wonder if it's like someone like Benson though, because everyone loves Benson. I was Who, by the Benson. way, I first see the local kid, but first overall fit. He's he's shown up in the the cowboy gear. He's wearing the cowboy hat right now. Bright blue suit. How dare a hockey player show some personality? I love it, man. Who does he think he is? This guy's got first overall written all over him with with the uh, the getup that he's got. But there's a lot of people that love him and say, "Hey, he should go fourth. If he slides to 11, is that a Bo Callahan like drop?" Reach See, just, I, I've uh, made this point too before that we need to draft a universe like the the MC expanded universe because we don't know if Bo <laughs> Callahan was bad. You should approach the NFL films and make that happen. 100%. 10 years later. Yeah. I, there's so many unanswered questions. Yeah. I reached, put in his uh, pick for which player, no matter what. Yeah. It's uh, Salvatore Guzzo. That's why we can't trust Reach's uh, draft instincts. <laughs> 650, 650. Uh, a lot of Zach Benson love coming into the inbox. Uh, for, like, who is your Vontae Mack? Like, who's the no-matter-what guy that you need? Mine's Oliver Moore. He might even go before 11. Moore. But mine's Oliver Moore. Elite trait, smart player, down the middle of the ice. I don't know there's this ongoing discussion of is he almost too fast for the game? I, I don't think... That's a thing. That's not like, a thing. I'm less concerned about that. It's a lot harder to teach a guy to skate faster than yeah. it is to slow down a bit. Yeah. Under control. 
I love that you have that gear. And and varying speeds, right? Like the fact that you can torque it up to that level is awesome. It's, Mason, valu- it's valuable. Mason Raymond in and, his prime was a valuable piece. But the thing is, is like he's not an unintelligent player. Like this isn't just, oh, I'm just fast and I can get from point A to point B, but I don't always know where I'm going. It's functional, lethal speed because he plays with great angles. Chris was just talking there. It's like he does play with his teammates. Sometimes, yeah, he can be a bit too fast, but we're talking about 17, 18-year-olds. Sounds like he could really help a penalty kill that might need him. And we were talking about this with Yana yesterday about building for an opponent, and I don't subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. But there are benefits of if you value a certain player, how does it relate to the environment that you have to compete in? It'd be really nice to have someone to skate with Connor. But McDavid. I don't think that I, I'm not saying it's it's a, the the reason I would want Oliver Moore. Right. But the fact that he's fast and the fact that you live in a division with Connor McDavid, yeah, that to me has some impact on it. I, I don't think it's about Connor number. McDavid though. I think it's just about like that's a valuable he's, piece to yes. just your team. It, it, it's an added bonus. Right. The fact love, that you get more speed to play alongside that. I would love if that was the number one criteria. No. Guys, we need we need <laughs> skaters. You would never do that. You would never do that. <laughs> but I'm just saying an added bonus of it. It's like finding uh, 20 bucks in your jacket. You're like, oh, right. This is great. <laughs> it's like a free 20 bucks. Yeah. It's a freebie. It's an extra benefit. Uh, we'll get to more on the other side. Uh, a lot of good reaction. People, uh, all caps texting right now of who they want. 650, 650. Who do you need to get at pick 11? If the Canucks stay at pick 11. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we'll get into it more on the other side. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second half of the People Show, taking you right up to the start of the NHL draft. And then Canucks Central will take over. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw. Half hour away, we'll have the entire first round. You'll hear from Patrick Alvin. You'll hear from who the Canucks pick at what I believe will be pick 11. Some uh, text coming in. Do we think the Canucks will make a move prior to... To the draft. I think it'll be at 11. Don't think we'll see any big fireworks. I'm kind of skeptical in general. That we'll see something massive. In the top 10. Quality of the draft. The talent is the talent. Looking at what players are available. And what those team needs are. They do just merge really well. I know we've talked so much about. Uh, someone like Ryan Leonard landing in Philly. It just feels like it fits. They're in this long-term build. Are they? I can see them maybe moving down a couple of spots, but when we see, when we just don't see top five picks really ever moved at the draft floor, there's the financial component to it that I always look at. We're talking about a guy who's on a three-year ELC deal. If he hits all his bonuses, talking about like max 
$9 million over the course of three years. You're trading for a player right now who's making $6 million or something like that. It's $18 million. Just there's an $11 million gap you got to fill there, let alone the reward of a superstar player and all this sort of stuff. Let's not forget it hasn't happened since what? 2008? I believe Luke Shen. Luke Shen. Luke Shen was the last one that uh, at in the offseason. Obviously, we, like Bowen Byram's pick got traded earlier yeah. and it ended up in the top four. But at the draft, we're in the offseason. It's been a long time to move a top five pick. And then after that, just because, again, the, the draft class is so deep, I, I, I would just be stunned if a Arizona or Philly, Washington, Detroit, obviously there's all this buzz about Nashville trying to apply the NHL bylaw of the, the home team having to make a big splash of them trying to move up. I, I'd just be so stunned because we're, we're talking about like Mitch Cobb who could be the second best player in this draft, still maybe being around six or seven. The defensemen have to start going at some point. Reinbacher's name is uh, linked to a bunch of teams. So I think on the trade front, it'll be a bit uh, a bit tame. Day two, though, then we'll start to see some fireworks go. Because we saw some some trades again today, and for future picks, not even this year, uh, Riley Smith leaving the Vegas Golden Knights, who we were just talking last week, ruthless team. This is one of their OGs, one of their misfits that started the game to hoist the cup. This is one of their guys. $5 million. Out you go. Third round pick in next year's draft. In it comes as he lands in Pittsburgh. And it opened up the money for them to acquire Barbashev. Or sorry, resign Barbashev. Their acquisition over at the deadline. They give him the $5 million. All the way through to 2028. And so that also means. He's off the wish list. For the Vancouver Canucks. This is going back to, like, January when we really started talking about Barbashev. Another Milstein client potentially coming to Vancouver. Well, that is officially done because he gets his $25 million in Vegas. And so now won't be landing in Vancouver. Are you happy about that? Because there have been a lot of conversations from fans that some really wanted to see him. Some were really impressed by what happened in the playoffs. That's the type of player you want. Certainly the type of player I would want too, but again, cost matters in this scenario. Uh, what was your reaction to seeing Barbashev getting the five-year contract to stay with the Vegas Golden Knights? Are you happy that now uh, the Canucks will have to swim in a different pond? Will it mean that they'll have to overspend on someone else? Uh, your initial reaction, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, calling from the Caribou. Do the Canucks made any deals today or tomorrow? I say yes, and it will be cringeworthy. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. But I, I'm just, I'm a bit skeptical that they're going to be able to pull off a Connor Garland trade uh, on the draft floor on day one. Day two, maybe start sending future picks, or it, it becomes a bit easier on day two. Nick, I've said this this whole week. The Canucks. And the management team are like Big Brother. You just have to expect the unexpected. Oh, look, I I, I don't watch Big Brother. Is, is there a lot of unexpected? That's the, tag, that's the tagline of the show. Oh, is it actually? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure it had a reputation of 
Anything can happen. There's always twists and turns. Right. Manufactured twists and turns, though. Yes. We don't know what Alvin's thinking. Yeah. It's smokescreen season. They've been very good, actually, Here, if you really think. Um, very coy. Yeah. Chronic, the buyout. They have been uh, pretty coy here recently uh, about uh, protecting what their next moves are. 650, 650. Uh, looks like Winnipeg and LA have proved uh, otherwise about the. I'm assuming the text just stops about uh, making trades. The thing is, is like Connor Garland's done a marquee name. Pierre Luc Dubois has a lot more cachet than Connor Garland. He's in demand as well. If, if I've set the over under on date, if, if there was to be a Connor Garland trade, if I set the over under, July 4th, next Tuesday, six days from now. Are you taking the under before then, or are you taking the after? The over. Um, I'm taking I, I, the I'm, under. I'm, I'm, you're taking the under? Yeah. I think they want to get stuff done. I'm not disputing the Canucks want to get stuff done. But, again, like this Riley Smith, like Riley Smith was not a name that was really out there. Zadina's name has just popped in all of a sudden. There's going to be a, a, a flush of names here that we weren't really expecting. And I was just saying the other day, we're talking about like 14, 16 names that have to get resolved before teams are going to say, all right, now we'll explore a Connor Garland one. Riley Smith, teams are still at the point of, this, of here where we're giving things up. Until we get to a stage where it's uh, now we're, we're going to explore Connor Garland. I, I just... I think it's going to take a little bit longer. Teams are going to have to miss out on their number one targets and they have to circle back and say, what's our secondary options here to catch up on the winger market that we missed out on? Marcus and Gibson's Texan. Dom on Big Brother, do they overpay fourth liners? Um, <laughs> they all get stipends. I'll say that. They're paid. They're paid. They're paid. Maybe not overpaid. I will say this. Like, after July 1st, mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, all that business gets done, Mm -hmm. players get signed, and then it's like a trickle effect every day afterwards. And it just feels like everyone takes off and disappears. If if Garland's going to, if something is going to get done with Garland, it's either going to be done next week or it's going to be done like a couple of weeks before training camp, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll still take the over. I just feel like that first wave, actually, the second wave. Of post-free agency. doesn't happen by then. Then, to your point, it might be later on in training camp. Yeah. But even then, it's like so much money is spent by then. And if you're looking to try to bolster it, again, I, I think he's a fine player. But to me, it's a, it's a secondary option after, like, we're still waiting to see if Konechny gets moved. I just think the pressure point is now. People want to make signings. They want to make moves, right? So, like, yes, the but incentive is there to make something happen. From the Canucks' point of view. Yes. But if you're, if you're at a stage where, like, okay, what does Connor Garland cost? Okay. I'm going to go check what Travis Konechny costs. Is it worth paying 15% more for a 20% better player? Or should I wait till July 1st? What's Tarasenko thinking? Can I get a three-year deal out of Tarasenko? That's not for me to decide, All- and I understand what you're saying. All I'm saying is that if Alvin wants to make moves... Mm-hmm. And like the only thing stopping him from making that move is is a Garland trade or 
no, or a Besser trade. The only thing stopping would be decreasing your ask and retaining money yes. and harming your cap build too. Those are the like those are the factors. It's not yes. it's not an evaluation of the player. It's how much of a penalty am I willing to take to try to make a move? And it's not about just executing the move. It's executing the move that makes sense as well. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one, uh, we're talking about Barbashev there. Too much money for Barbashev. So we got $25 million over five years. Uh, five AAV. I actually, Honestly, my first reaction was, that's kind of cheap. I was kind of expecting $30 million. Also, with the cap going up during the duration of that contract, it's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's fair value. But it, it's in a, in a weaker free agent class coming off of the postseason that he just had. I, I thought there would be maybe a six in the deal, whether AAV or years. I'm a little surprised. It was only uh, $25 million. Like, look, this is a guy who's put up a 60-point season. Someone who's had a really strong playoffs and not even just like, oh, they got to the third round. They won, and he was part of a pivotal role there on a great line with Jack Eichel. Uh, thought that one would uh, creep higher. But certainly, he was a he was becoming a bit of a divisive player for uh, Canucks fans because people didn't want to see that money get spent. Uh, this one... Uh, 650, 650. Garland wasn't even included in the Canucks Twitter post about the schedule and group chat video. Besser was. Besser was in that. Was Garland not in at all? I don't think so. I I, I didn't look too close. We'll have to fact check it. That was a pretty good uh, schedule release content. Yeah. I didn't like what the Sharks did with the AI thing. I didn't watch a lot of them. It fell flat. It's not. It's building towards kind of like the NFL style schedule release. Um, Teams are just trying to have fun. Teams are just trying to have uh, have some fun. By the way, Mike G's Vontae Mack mm-hmm. is uh, trade the pick no matter what. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, that's Mike G's though. That's Mike G's. Uh, 650, 650. All right, let's catch up on some uh, no matter what's because there's a, the, there's a lot here. Kurt is saying we want Oliver Moore. Uh, a couple of Axel Sandin, Palika ones. I'm a little concerned about that one. I know Chris was a little bit higher on his defense. The thing is, you just don't need a power play one player. And are you limiting what the ceiling could be on that player because you have Quinn Hughes and because you have Philip Ronick? More specifically, Quinn Hughes. I I do agree with the idea that he might be the best asset available, but is it, is it what makes sense for your team? I don't I don't it, bo- redundancy doesn't bother me if he's the best available player oh you want to give me another quinn hughes type okay sure i guess i'll have more ice cream no i i get that but it'd be one thing if he was like the the 11th best player and there's only like 11 guys there's there's players that you would say that are similarly graded and you're okay taking that guy that's a different profile that fits for you he's gonna be an exciting player and and there's gonna be a demand for him i think always in the league but to me, I look at that and I say, I'd rather a Benson. I'd rather a Willander. Just because it fits your team build better. He's got better traits than a Willander. His one trait, I should say, like the offensive side. But the defensive side of Willander to me is better than Sandin Palika. Danielson, I just feel, is a safer spot. 
because you need a, you need centers, obviously. You need right-handed centers. You're specifically. out here drafting for need, though, Vic. But he's a good player. That's what I'm saying. I know he he's the exact same grade for me. And in that situation, I'm taking Nate Danielson over Axel Sanding Palika, just because I, I don't think you're, you're ever going to maximize what it is for you specifically. Because you're you're not going to be able to play on the power play at any point. Uh, again, uh, this one. It's not even a we want player for the for the Vontae Mack no matter what. It's don't pick Nate Danielson. Just coming in. 650-650 uh, to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one, you don't want players fresh off the Stanley Cup. Their price gets overvalued on Barbashev. Uh, and, yeah, this one, he takes $5 million a year because of the no state tax in Vegas. Compares to about $6 million in other states and provinces. I which learned is, about that yesterday, by the way. Which is a huge thing, yeah. The, I, the I believe, tax thing? I believe Barbashev's deal, though, uh, just really quickly, uh, is a lot of signing bonus as well, too. Yeah. So yesterday we were actually talking about the signing bonus and how, like, overblown the tax thing is. Yeah, he, yeah, he got $4 million in the first yeah. So if, like, it's not live... it's not overblown, okay? It's, it's rightfully oh, discussed. It's a little overrated. People make I, a, I think, more of a deal out of it than they should. I think it's should. framed incorrectly at times. Yes. But okay. it is a real issue. Now, if you're good enough to get your signing bonus and get a lot of your salary as a signing bonus, then yeah, it's less of an issue. Yeah, you can skirt the taxes. But how, like, genuinely, how many players do we look at and say, hey, they're good enough to earn most of their contract in signing bonuses? By and large. The top 25% of the league. I mean, 25 even seems a lot higher than. I mean, your first liners, twenty five percent, first pairing of in a league of about seven hundred and fifty players. Yeah, talking about two hundred players get over um, a a decent chunk of their signing bonus. I I, I think that's a lot. I'm just thinking of like team construct. Yeah, I'd say Mm -hmm. your first liners and your top pairing defense, maybe your star goalies. Okay, but either way, if we're talking about the general populace of, of the NHL. Not a lot of them are going to be on signing bonuses. So, taxes yeah. and all that stuff matters. But there are ways to, like, hey, my, I live in this um, state. When my signing bonus comes out on July 1st, that goes there. My playing salary through the team. I, there's there's plenty of ways to work around it. Now, I know Elliot and Jeff have been talking about this a lot here in Canada. But, again, there's ways to, even then, get around it. What's my primary residence? Where do I live? There's ways. It's just you better be good enough to get signing bonuses. If it's your irregular salary, then that's a bit tougher. But in general, like for someone like Ivan Barbashev, again, he gets four million dollars this upcoming season. But for the in a signing bonus, but for for the next four years, there's no signing bonus. The taxes play a big role in that role in that specific negotiation. But again, I do think it's a little overblown. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. How uh, is not paying tax overrated? And the signing bonus doesn't impact taxes. Stick in your lane. Again, when you get paid on your bonus does matter. Six fifty, six fifty. Uh, coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, Vic, what are you talking about? BPA not need. Hughes might not be might want out by the time Sandine Palika is NHL ready. Okay, that's nightmare scenario. Stop it. It's five years down the line. Yeah. Four years down the line. Uh, all right. 
So what do we think is going to happen here? 11. There's, there's, you know, we've discussed what we want. Yeah. I want Oliver Moore. I'm a little bit worried that he won't be there at 11. Listen, when, uh, when traditionally the team that favors Swedes drafts Swedes, I think you have to lean towards them drafting a Swede. So I'm going Willander. I think that's what's going to happen. Tom Willander. I concur with this. Yeah. Look, I really like the player. They already tell you what they do. They show you in their actions. They also kind of need help on their blue line. And this is a safe pick to be like, oh, we drafted a defenseman because, as we've said multiple times, we need to improve our defensive court. Last year, they they take Lekremaki, Mm -hmm. Swede. I'm also not saying there's anything wrong with taking Tom Willander. If, mm-hmm. Especially if Oliver Moore my, isn't there. We're, yeah. just, we're just answering the question. My, my worry, like I, I agree with you guys, and I, I was on Central uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was discussing this with Sat. My worry is, like we just saw Alex Newhook get traded for a first and a second, okay? He hasn't really exploded, but he has offensive upside. It only costs them a mid-first round pick to select him. So when you bet on offensive upside, there's a retention value on that pick. My worry is Tom Willander. The, the list of defensive D-men, who that, like, that's their primary thing, that you select them in the top 15, it is a very small hit list. And I'm not even just talking about like games played, because if you don't have a trade on the other side that's going to save you, if you don't even succeed playing defense, you get washed out real quick. I'm talking about the Griffin Reinhardt's, the Dylan Nackelrass. Yule Levy, I mean, he was more of a puck mover, but still, like, when it goes bad for the the defensive D-man, it goes bad fast. But it's also one of those picks where you can look back either in a future job interview or when you're being criticized by the media and say, look what I had, look what we had to deal with, this was available, it made sense to take him. But because because this this draft class is so rich, my worry is – Passing on a Benson or a Jaeger or a Barlow or a Musty even. Because there's such pure offensive upside. And it's a cheaper rate, as we've just shown with Newhook. It's a cheaper rate to be able to acquire this guy. An offensive skill producer. Are you giving up too much value by taking the defensive D-man? That, that's my big worry. I really like the player. You don't need to convince me about defense. Yeah, he, he's he's got good offensive instincts, but goal scoring skill does kind of leave me wanting more. But I just can't imagine passing on a Benson. I can't imagine passing on a Moore. I can't imagine passing on a Barlow, even Braden Yeager, to get the defensive D man at eleven overall. No matter what happens tonight, Bick, I think they're going defenseman at eleven. At eleven. So, either your boy, uh, Axel Sandin Palika. Oh, no, sorry. Your, your boy I'm is Simashev. Yeah. Well, your I, team Simashev. I don't know. I think if Benson or Oliver Moore is available, that, that could give some pause. They if, need defensemen so if, bad. If, if Moore is available. No, but if he's available, you take the best. What, what have we said? What have we heard them I know, say? You, don't you wanna, take the best player available. You don't want to repeat a Kachuk. I if, get if, it. if Moore's there, I'm running up to it like Moore skates. That's what I'm doing. Nice. What's faster today? Uh, or, or what team has the fastest pick? 
It won't be Chicago. It won't be, yeah. We'd like to thank the city of Nashville like for their hospitality. Everyone. You know who I bet it is? I bet it's going to be the second or third pick. Just just walk up. Yarmo just walks up. Yeah. We take. Oh, yeah. I got it. Yeah, Adam Fantilli. Yeah. Adam Fantilli. Yeah. Like, they already know who they, we know who's going first, so they're going to know who they want to take second. It'll be an easy pick. It'll be like, eh, Fantilli, when, Carlson. When, when teams start, like, listing off the restaurants that they're at, like the draft party, we'd like to thank all of our fans at uh, Flaherty's. <laughs> Hope you're having fun. Thanks for supporting the cause. It's always some random restaurant. It's never like Cactus or, or like this big known one. It's always Thank some you, Earls. One. By the way, if the Coyotes go up there and start thanking their fans at some bar, I'm like, I call BS on that. You it's, don't have a watch party. It's probably a college bar, though. Like, Maybe. Right on campus They're at not ASU. there for the draft. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> We'd like to thank our fans that stopped by at Mullet Arena all year. <laughs> all right. We got to run. We'll be on uh, tomorrow. Uh, is, is it Canucks Talk or People Show tomorrow morning? You and I and Randeep and Jamie. We've been traded to Canucks Talk for it's a day? Canucks Talk All for right. a full four hours. It, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. start time. We are running through the draft all day long. So we'll have round or uh, day two coverage yeah. for you. Um, that'll be fun. And you'll hear from Canucks prospects that they select uh, throughout the day. And plenty more. We'll have people from the draft floor. Thomas Trance will join us from the draft floor as well. Uh, so plenty going on tomorrow. But next, the NHL draft has arrived. Canucks Central's got it. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650.